Hello everyone and thank you for joining me on this episode of the Full Circle Podcast. Today we're exploring the idea of transformation through the lens of body image and acceptance. Every day we look in the mirror and see ourselves, yet for many of us we are unhappy with what we see. When this happens, you might make the decision to take control, whether that's through cosmetic surgery, weight loss, weight gain, or something else. And while these transformations usually begin with a typical physical change, they often go much deeper than our physical appearance. True transformation is much about changing a physical aspect of ourselves as it is about accepting ourselves on the inside. Without true healing, we will never accept our bodies the way we need for that true happiness. Accepting our bodies is a challenge that I think every one of us has struggled with at some point in our lives. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah MacDonald, a librarian and blogger from Canada. In 2017, Sarah suffered a debilitating back injury that made her think more seriously about her health. With the pain being so unbearable, Sarah took her first steps to transforming her life by changing her lifestyle, diet, exercise habits and beginning therapy. Since then, Sarah has lost £150 and she details her journey on her blog, sarahlikesthings.com. She regularly explores topics like body image, mental health and her relationship with food. Today, I hope Sarah's story inspires you on your journey but also helps you understand that transformation is much deeper than changing the way we look. It's about healing, self-awareness, and learning to love every inch of you, inside and out. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Sarah, to the Full Circle podcast, Finding Your Way Home. I'm really glad to have you here today, and I've been looking forward to our conversation. Shall we kick off with sharing just a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on, and I'm really excited for our conversation. I do have to to admit, though, uh, up at the front, I'm I'm having a bit of imposter syndrome today. Uh, Looking through the people that you've talked to about their transformation and what they've gone through in life, I feel a little bit like an imposter here because some of the people that you've had on your podcast are incredible and have have had these really great changes. Um, So while I'm personally proud of the changes that I made, um, I I have to say I feel a little bit out of waters with some of the other guests that you've had on, but I'm, I'm really excited to share my story and to talk to you about my transformation. And actually, well, I would say you've had an amazing transformation, actually. Um, And I know our listeners are going to most probably definitely agree with me once they've heard your story. So yeah, just try and relax and just enjoy the conversation if you can, because I think you've got a lot to offer and a lot to share. Yeah. So so my journey, I guess, started very young. Um, I've had issues with body, issues with my own body, issues with food and um, emotional eating, body image, since as far as I can remember. I've always carried a lot of, of extra weight. I was heavy growing up. I was heavy in, in elementary school and, and through high school, through university, which are really your foundational years. So being heavy, being overweight, carrying that extra weight has really shaped who I am. It's shaped how I interact with the world, how I feel about myself, how I approach situations, and how I protect myself um, has really been shaped by carrying a lot of extra weight from as as long as I can remember. Um, so I think uh, looking back on when I was very young, and and it's it's a bit of a weird way to look at your past, but I figure skated when I was quite young, and I did competitive figure skating um, when I was four, five, six, seven. And I look back on pictures of myself then as my thin years. So I I don't know if lots of people have this memory of themselves at a different time. Mine go back to when I was very young. And I don't think that's necessarily a healthy way to look at yourself when you're that age. Um, And then, uh, so I I was involved in figure skating. I was involved in in competitive sports. uh, And then when I went into elementary school, I started facing a lot of bullying. Um, And it's hard to really pinpoint what led to what? Did the bullying lead to the weight gain or did the weight gain lead to the bullying? Probably it's a little bit of both. Um, and it's more on a continuum of some led to one and then one led to the other. Um, I know that my mom pulled me out of competitive figure skating when again, and I was about six or seven and my uh, 
figure skating coach told me to start losing weight. Uh, and as somebody who is six or seven being told that they need to basically be put on a diet, that's how my life has been shaped. Uh, and that's all throughout my my younger years as a child, as a teenager, I was constantly in a battle with my weight. And it was not a winning battle. Um, I've tried to lose weight throughout my life many, many times. And this is the only time that has so far been successful. So we'll talk a little bit more about that too and that journey that I'm on right now. Uh, particularly right now, I'm really in that maintenance journey. So um, again, it's I, I think for the rest of my life, I will probably have um, to consider my weight and to consider my body. I don't think that that will ever go away for me. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at right now. And, and that's sort, sort of where my journey started. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that. And I would imagine, yeah, at such an early age, then be requested to be put on a diet is quite hardcore, especially at that young age. And as you said, that kind of concept and that kind of I suppose, relationship with your body image has most probably stemmed, as you said, from that. So you then mentioned about being bullied a little bit at school and stuff. And, and do you ever remember being really aware of your weight as a young person? Oh, absolutely. I think as a person, whether you're female or male, and you you don't fit in a normal category, and I'm sure even people who probably do fit in a normal category, your weight is constantly on your mind because it shapes everything that you do, every activity that you do, taking a plane. If you are overweight, if you're larger than the normal size, I mean, that's a huge anxiety trigger. And it was for me. Um, I loved traveling. I hated being in an airport and being on a plane because I didn't know if the seat would be comfortable. I didn't know if I'd be able to even do up the safety belt. Um, and, and those really normal things that that lots of people just take for granted. I mean, being able to walk into a clothing store and being able to find even just one thing in the store that fits you. Um, so yeah, I think from a very young age, my weight was definitely um, on my mind. It, it was something that I always thought about and considered um, up until, you know, recently. Um, and I would say that having lost weight, that's the one huge relief um, is not having to always think about your weight and whether your body is going to fit in the situation that you are putting yourself in. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine that is quite stressful, as you've said, and, and must bring a lot of anxiety and, and tension and, and, and I suppose worry around, as you said, physically fitting into things, but also fitting into to groups and to cliques and to friendships and so forth as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's hard when you're somebody who carries a lot of weight and you aren't accepted by people. Your first instinct is that it's because you're heavier uh, and because you carry weight. Um, so yeah, we've talked a little bit about bullying. Anxiety is also something that I've struggled personally with for a large part of my life. And I worked with uh, a lot of therapy to, to work with that and and to try to overcome some of that, but also just learn how to manage it in my life. Again, I think um, dealing with anxiety in the same way that I don't know that I'll ever not have body image issues. I don't know that I'll ever be able to live without anxiety, but it's learning how to manage it and how to not let it cripple you um, and how you can be able to go about your day-to-day -day life without feeling that that burden of anxiety constantly on you. And I, and I think that my weight and my body image and the way that I saw myself in the world absolutely led to anxiety and, and mental health issues for me personally. Um, and that's something that I, I definitely have worked on with therapy and worked with a therapist um, about, but I, think, I don't think that these two things are separate. Um, and I think like you said, having to navigate the world in a larger body and consider all of these different things and, and possibly think about the worst case scenario, what if I do get a, a, a ticket for this flight and I don't fit in the seat or I'm told that I have to get two seats? Thinking about all of these what ifs, um, I mean, that's exact anxiety. Living Absolutely. in the future, thinking about the worst case scenario. Um, and I think that my body and the body that I lived in for most of my life absolutely shaped that for me. Yeah. And in terms of that, then, how did you, when you talk there about navigating, so just talk me through a little bit more around some of your lifestyle choices around that point and how were you spending your time and what were you doing? Yeah. I am, so I've been thinking about this a lot over the past couple of days. And I would say that my lifestyle before I decided to make some pretty conscious 
meaningful and mindful changes in my life, it was just about indulgence. I didn't, I didn't uh, restrict myself in any form. I indulged in whatever I wanted. I ate whatever I wanted. I drank whatever I wanted. I, I saw my friends and, and we, we didn't put restrictions on ourselves. Um, and, and I think that led to a lot of unhealthy lifestyle choices and behaviors. And then that started to be the thing that I turned to for comfort, to feel good. Um, if I was stressed out or if I had a high level of anxiety or, or if anything was happening, I would turn to, to food or to these behaviors that would lead to um, unhealthy lifestyles or contribute to weight gain, contribute to sedentary lifestyles. I'm still not somebody who enjoys going to the gym. Um, although I will tell you that in a couple hours, I do have a personal training uh, session that I've gotten involved in um, since having lost weight to try to help me stay on that maintenance journey that I'm on right now. But I still hate being in a gym. Um, but <laughs> until the last couple of years, nothing would convince me that that was good for me. And I would avoid those kinds of activities at all costs. What I was into was hanging out, sitting down, watching movies, uh, enjoying myself, but not doing things that I knew were good for me, even mm -hmm. if I didn't want to do them. Yeah. And so that, that, was, that was the lifestyle that I was in. I, I didn't think about food at all. I think there would probably be weeks that I would go without eating a vegetable. And right. so just mm -hmm. being mindful about those practices and those behaviors um, and and not being mindful about what, what you're doing to your body, what you're putting in your body, how you're moving your body every single day, those have been new practices for me to learn. And forgive me, I'm just kind of curious around, would you say then that realistically that those moments in your life you were kind of more living in your comfort zone maybe a little bit in that type of behavior that you've described? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was probably my, my number one priority was to just be comfortable, to be happy, to, again, allow myself to give into these indulgences um, because that's what I was turning to for happiness. Um, mm -hmm. So I was going through all of these other emotions and feelings and um, anxiety and depression and um feeling like you're not welcome in the world or feeling like you don't have a place in the world, those bad behaviors is what I was turning to, which was then further fueling that feeling of alienation in the world. And it's just kind of a, a cycle, isn't it? That you just keep kind of like going through and going round and round and round. And that holding pattern can be very difficult, I can imagine, to get out of. Yeah, it is. It is a cycle. And um and it's hard to, to break that cycle, especially when you turn to it for comfort or to for yeah. feelings of of happiness or belonging. Um, I know for me, and, and I don't blame anyone for the choices that I made or for, um, you know, for what my body looked like, but there are factors that contributed to it. And, and one of those things was that I had a group of friends that we all bonded over this um, common sense of not belonging and and turning to these unhealthy behaviors to feel a sense of belonging uh, and and like you said it's all it's all a cycle that then you're just wrapped up in which is then contributing to further feeling like you're you're not belonging to a part of society yeah, absolutely and so how long did that feeling and that kind of lifestyle go on for for you it went on, I mean, until the last few years. So I would say right up until my late 20s. And I really cocooned myself in that lifestyle. Um, I was I was pretty happy just living um, in that body. And, um, you know, I haven't, we haven't really gotten to like specifics, but I was about um, 100 pounds overweight. Um, and, and that that contributed to a lot of different uh, unhealthy patterns and behaviors for me. Uh, and so it wasn't just, you know, 15, 20 pounds overweight that I could kind of manage. It was significant weight that I was carrying around every day that that ended up leading to some really bad health consequences, which ended up being the catalyst to what really drove me to break that cycle. And breaking that cycle is incredibly hard in any area of your life when you when you know something when you're comfortable in it even if you are aware that it's contributing to unhealthy patterns and behaviors for me it was contributing to an unhealthy body that i was living in and as somebody who was just in their late 20s early 30s i was 
seeing health consequences that I shouldn't be seeing at that age. And for me, and I still don't know if, if it hadn't been for those health issues that I had, I'm not sure that I would have been able to break that cycle because I really needed that slap in the face telling me, you need to change, you need to wake up, you need to think about your body and you need to be way more mindful about what it is you're doing every single day. Um, so yeah, and up until a few years ago, um, I was still happily living in that cycle. Um, I, had, um, I had my safety net. I had the things that I was comfortable with and I, I wasn't really inclined to change that even though I had, there was a lot of my life that I wasn't happy about that I thought, well, if I'm able to lose this weight, then I will have all of these things that will make me happy. And that's not the case. Uh, and I'm, I'm learning that now as well. Um, but I was happy living in that behavior and living in that pattern. Um, and so, yeah, until um, it was about 2017 that I, I really got a wake up call. And we can go in more into that in a minute, actually, because just what you've been talking about has just kind of pinged something for me. And it's just reminded me that, you know, you mentioned the word comfort eating before. And I think a lot of us are comfort eaters, actually. I think a lot of male and female are kind of turn to food when we're having maybe a stressful day or we'll go for that extra glass of wine if we're kind of feeling tired. And, you know, as you know, as you said, it kind of is that self-perpetuating circle that once you've indulged in that, then actually from a mental perspective, you then beat yourself up but because you feel quite tired and quite lethargic and a bit under the weather you'll go again and you'll do it again and I remember myself I was overweight for many hours I don't know how many pounds it would be most probably 20 30 pounds most probably heavier than than I am now and that was a really kind of low time for me I was going through a divorce at the time and I really wasn't able to get on track with my healthy eating and I think I was snacking and turning to food and most probably I certainly wasn't an alcoholic but certainly drinking more wine than I would normally do just because yeah. I was going through such a stressful time and I think you do you get into that routine and you get into that rut where actually it's easy easier and more comfortable to stay where you are than actually as you said to get a grip and to change your relationship with food and, and it is quite a difficult process for many people as you've described so tell me then about this turning point because you said that you had health issues so tell us a little bit more around what happened there for you when you're overweight health is such a complicated conversation to have there's so much shame involved when you carry extra weight um, I know for me personally, I avoided going to the doctor because you're just worried. And, and also anecdotally, you know from people that when you are overweight and you see a doctor about a medical issue, nine times out of 10, the, uh, the doctor is going to, to blame it on the weight that you carry. And as somebody who's seeking answers and advice from the medical community, to have that constantly be what you're getting thrown back in your face is is very frustrating and it's really disheartening uh, because we know that lots of people have health issues whether they are underweight in a normal weight range or overweight um so i think to start with that for me was huge going to the doctor for the first time being in a normal healthy weight range i went in there feeling so relieved, no anxiety at all, because I knew that if there was an issue, we would just deal with it. And it wouldn't have to be blanketed in this, well, you have to lose weight because that's what's contributing to, to X. So in 2017, I suffered from a, a very serious back injury, um, which led to eight months of debilitating sciatic pain. Um, I wasn't able to really do much at all. Um, I was I was cut off from my friends. I was cut off from from any sort of social life from my family because I was in constant 24 seven pain. Um, and it was pain that radiated down from my hip to my ankle. Um, and I saw doctor after doctor after doctor who all contributed this to weight, which may very well be the case, although we do know that many people who are underweight and of a normal weight range suffer from, from back issues and suffer from body pains. Um, so I think it's an easy way out for doctors to, to contribute it to, you just have to lose weight and then you'll be fine. Uh, and I think lots of people who are um, in an overweight range category do go underdiagnosed so often and under undertreated, undertested, um, and, and are suffering from serious health issues that are just being camouflaged by, well, you're overweight. And so that's what's contributing to this. So for me personally, it was a back, it was a back injury. Um, and, and like I said, it was eight months of absolutely debilitating pain where I 
woke up crying most days. Um, I, I, I didn't have any joy in life. I didn't really see a huge point, um, in, uh, you know, carrying on because I was in so much constant pain all of the time and I was getting no answers from doctors. Um, and so for me, I decided that that was a time that I needed to seriously start thinking about my weight. So while I still hold true that, um, the health community does need to wake up a little bit to better addressing some of these problems. I also think that taking this on and deciding to lose weight will also probably help your health uh, quite significantly. So yeah, I, I hold those values both. And so I think for me, that did help my health and it has made my life so much more enjoyable. Um, and so that, that was the catalyst for me. Um, and so in January of 2018, after having gone through a year of this incredibly painful uh, injury, um, I really decided to start thinking more about how I was moving, what I was doing, what I was eating, what I was drinking. Uh, I also was drinking a lot in excess, which I think was, um, for me, just a way to um, hide some of these emotions that I was going through um, and to distract myself. Uh, and so that was that was the time for me that I decided that I really just needed to be more mindful about stuff. And I think that my journey uh, has really been shaped by that concept of mindfulness. And just thinking more about what it is you're consuming, what it is you're doing, um, and and how you're treating your body on a daily basis. Taking the minute to actually think about that, as opposed to just um, you know rushing to to make your meals or eating what looks like it'll taste good or or what feels like it's going to taste good, if that's going to be a comforting meal for you. Um, and instead, thinking about what you're putting in your body that's going to make you feel good from the inside um, and not just that temporary comfort. And I think a lot of that kind of either whether that's snacking or eating for comfort is just kind of like that quick fix. That's I'm speaking from my experience here in terms of that was what it was kind of nurturing that need for a quick fix to feel better, but actually long term. So that mindlessly eating yes. um, obviously is not is not good for us because as soon as we kind of throw it down our throat, we're not actually really enjoying the food anyway. It's not really doing what we want is it really yeah exactly and when we think about those types of food that often we turn to so high in sugar high in salt high in fat high in alcohol um those are so temporary they they make us feel so good temporarily and then it's almost the opposite effect long term um because we have uh crashes it doesn't help our mental health all that well actually in the long term we're actually negatively um helping our, our body and helping our mind. I'm not a nutritionist, so I, I can't get into too much of that stuff, but um, there is a lot to do with how you're fueling your body and then how your mind is working afterwards. Absolutely. So tell me at that point then, did you have a vision for where you wanted to be with your weight and how you wanted to feel within yourself? I just wanted to seamlessly fit in with the world. Um, that was my goal. And I think as a, as a person who is overweight or has any sort of form of, of visible difference, for me, I just desperately wanted to fit in. I wanted to be normal. I wanted my body to be normalized. I wanted to walk into a store or walk into an airport and just go unnoticed. And that was a huge thing for me. Um, living... So I, in total, have lost 150 pounds since the beginning of 2018, yeah. Um, wow. and yeah, and that's more than more than half of my 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 total weight from my highest weight. And I could absolutely tell you the moment that I started going into public spaces and not standing out because when you carry 150 pounds and I'm five zero, um, so 150 pounds on my frame was pretty visible, and I and I stood out. And I felt that when I would go into any public space, I would feel looked at, I would feel observed, I would feel alienated, and I would feel um, isolated from, from everyone else uh, because I could feel the stares and I could hear the comments and I could, and you feel that as a person who stands out from everyone. So for me, that was my main aim was I just wanted to go unnoticed. Um, and I remember when I started to go into those public spaces and I was not noticed and that feeling of just being one of many for me was huge. 
So tell me more about that inner feeling then at that point when you recognized that you weren't being noticed. What was happening within you at that point? Can you remember? So when we talk about mental health and we talk about anxiety, it's that lack of anxiety that I felt. It's not feeling worked up and tense and self-conscious. To me, that's that's what it felt like. It wasn't this, you know, happy, blissful, over-the-top um, euphoria. It was just a sense of calm. And it was a it was that lack of anxiety, um, which I don't uh, get to enjoy that feeling often, um, because as a person uh, who deals a lot with anxiety, um, that's that's a feeling that I feel quite often. Um, So to just have that absence of anxiety, that's almost my euphoria. Thank you for sharing that. And it makes so much sense, actually, the way that you're describing it. So tell us then a little bit more around your process of how you started to put these new activities into place or this new routine for you and this new kind of a different mindset, I suppose, approach. So can you make it really kind of break it down in terms of the things that you did? Would that be okay to do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've had this question from so many people, people that I know or people that I know who have daughters that are, are trying to lose weight and have been trying to lose weight for, for many years. And that's that's often the cycle is, uh, and, and particularly for women, I don't want to alienate men because I know that this is a really important conversation that we're starting to have for men as well about body image and about weight. Um, and so I don't want to ignore that group. But but personally for me, my interests lie with women because that's the experience that I've had. And I think women are particularly targeted when it comes to this conversation um, by the media, by by companies, by businesses. Um, you know, this is really, we're the focus of this conversation. Um, and so I've had a lot of people ask me about how it is that I've lost weight. So um, as I said, I, I have basically been on diets since I was very young. Um, different forms, different varieties, uh, varying levels of low success. Again, I never had uh, a lot of success when I was trying to lose weight because I would always turn to fast fixes. Uh, So I would go to super low calorie diets, restrictive diets. Um, I never actually tried the cabbage soup diet, but things like that where, where you're limiting yourself to like one or two types of food that are super low calorie. They're not giving you nutrients. They're not giving you energy, um, because they are just low calorie foods. Um, So when I decided to really make a change, um, the closest thing that I would align my eating habits to would be Weight Watchers. I have been on and off of Weight Watchers for a number of years. Um, I think that the diet industry needs some work and it needs some help, but I think the foundation and the principles of Weight Watchers isn't awful. Um, And a lot of these, these diets and these fad diets, um, especially the ones that are asking for you to pay for them, um, they are not necessarily the best things for your body. Um, But for Weight Watchers, for me, I love the concept of it because it is not fully restrictive. There is nothing that you can't consume. Um, What it is teaching you is moderation and control. And again, and we're talking about a lot of this this session, but it's mindfulness and it's being mindful about what it is you're putting in your body. And so when we look at a program like Weight Watchers where it's designed around points, you could eat a Big Mac if you want to, but that's going to be probably 90% of your points that day. Um, and so the rest of your day, you're probably going to be pretty hungry. But the program itself isn't designed to cut out the Big Macs. It's just saying you have to fit that Big Mac within the rest of your day. And that will make the rest of your day challenging because you're probably not going to be fueling your body with enough calories and enough nutrients that you need. So when I um, when I started to, to seriously consider this um, in 2018, that's really the principles that I use. So I didn't, I didn't sign up for Weight Watchers. I didn't subscribe to it. I wasn't paying for it, but I had had, I had used the program enough that I really took those principles in into consideration. And so for me, um, the way that I changed my eating habits was really based on on calorie counting, and that's really how Weight Watchers is designed. They use points, but but it's essentially based on on the nutrient components of, of different foods. Um, so I used calorie counting. I set a, a daily calorie limit that I wanted to try to hit every single day. Some days I was more successful than others. And when I say that, I mean, sometimes I was way over and sometimes I was way under and that's also not good. Um, and, and we could talk a little bit more about that too when it comes to being mindful about your diet and your body changes. It can be a slippery slope. And to be so, so hypervigilant on your body and aspects of your body, you can become 
too obsessed with it um, and, and start to lean into those obsessive behaviors, which is also is not is not good. Um, and so I'm telling you what what I used now calorie counting for some other people might be a big trigger um, and that might not be the successful way that they're going to lose weight because that could lead to more obsessive behaviors as opposed to constructive behaviors. Um, so for me, it was really rooted in, in calorie counting, thinking about my food trying to just generally eat healthier. Um, so I didn't cut out pizza, but when my partner and I would have pizza for dinner, I would maybe have one or two slices and then half of my plate would be a salad. Um, so that was really, really important to me. I love chocolate. I eat chocolate every single day. I can't not eat chocolate, but at the end of the day, I would maybe have one or two Lindor balls as opposed to, you know, a massive Cadbury chocolate bar. Um, so for eating, that was what was really important to me was incorporating these foods that I knew I loved and that I would look forward to having that chocolate every single day by cutting it out. That would take a lot of enjoyment out of my day. I wasn't interested in that. I also have told so many people that if the way that you're changing your eating habits isn't something that you can continue doing for the rest of your life, you might as well just stop now uh, because what you're going to just end up doing is, is get involved in a cycle of yo-yo dieting and you're going to lose a bunch of weight. You absolutely will. Um, but if the way that you've changed how you're eating isn't sustainable, there's a really big likelihood that you're just going to gain it all back. Um, and that absolutely. cycle of, of losing a drastic amount of weight, gaining it back, losing it again, that cycle is, is even worse for your body than just maintaining an yeah. overweight uh, body. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, so that was that was the way that I changed my eating. Because that yo-yo dieting obviously has a huge impact on your metabolism as well, isn't it? I mean, it does yes. have an impact. And I know you're not a nutritionist, but it does have an impact. It can really affect also the adrenaline and the cortisol and things, everything else that kind of pumps around your body when you're in those moments as well. But it sounds to me from what you're describing here is that you've really made a conscious choice to make this a lifestyle, not just a quick fix. Yeah, absolutely. And that that has to be the key. Um, it's lifestyle changes and and it's being mindful of the things that you're doing, the activities that you're doing every day and the food that you're putting into your body. So coupled with that uh, changes in my in my diet and in my eating, um, I also incorporated activity every single day. So what I did uh, was I started walking every single day for an hour that ha was so important to me and is still so important to me. Uh, luckily for me, I love to walk. Um, that is an activity that I don't have to force myself to do. I And I live in Ontario, Canada, so we get some pretty serious winters here. Um, and I tried to, to go out for my walk and do it every single day of the year. I think I missed two or three days last year. Um, so for me, that luckily is something that I, I genuinely look forward to. And if I'm not able to go for a walk on any given day, I feel it. I feel its absence um, because it's not only is it good for my body, but for me, it's also good for my mental health. Um, so in this conversation that we're having as well, a lot of my weight loss occurred during COVID. Um, and so for me, walking was a means of escape because my, my working situation was transitioned to working from home, um, all week. Uh, and so I was stuck here in my house in the same four walls. So getting out for a walk was, was great for my health, great for my body and great for thinking about what it is that I was fueling my body with, but it was more than that, it was a break for my 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 head and for my mind. Um, and and that still is a hugely important part of my day. Um, so we had a, a call last week and, and I did it over my walk because that was how I was able to incorporate it. And so that is also a, a big factor of this conversation, too, is you have to make room for these changes in your life. Um, eating healthy food, preparing healthy food, it takes work and it takes a lot of thought. Um, and so it means thinking about your week and your meals on Saturday or Sunday, and then making sure that you go to the grocery store and that you're prepared with those foods. Um, lunches for me are, are a real challenge. Um, I'm not sure about everyone else, but before really thinking about what I was eating and, and taking weight loss into account, my lunches would just be grab and go. Whatever was there, whatever was available, whatever was accessible, whatever sounded good. And if I was having a stressful day at work, it was whatever looked comforting to me, whether that was driving through the McDonald's drive-thru or making craft dinner at home. It was just whatever was quick, whatever was full of sodium and sugar so it would make me feel good temporarily. 
Although we know that that's going to lead to a crash at about two or three in the afternoon, which means that your workday is actually going to go way downhill. Um, and so when we're thinking about incorporating, you know, those healthy lunches, we're thinking about fresh fruits, fresh foods and salads and vegetables and um, lean meats, which is not just sitting in your pantry that, uh, you know, can last for six months. Um, so, so that takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of time. And it does also mean consciously incorporating these behaviors into your day. Uh, and it's not yeah. easy. No, and I know it's not because any kind of food preparation or planning your meals ahead, you know, you do need to kind of make a commitment to that because life is busy at the best of times. Yes. And so I think it's sometimes it's a lot easier to think, oh, I'll leave that till tomorrow or I'll just grab something quickly. But we know that doesn't work in the long term as you're describing here. Yeah. So it feels like you've said there you've made room to plan and prepare. You've become much more mindful about your kind of in terms of what you're literally putting into your body, but also getting that regular exercise and actually walking. You know, it's not as though you're having to run at a treadmill, get to the gym first thing in the morning. Actually, just being out in nature, as you said, can do those two things, which can obviously help with the, the physical activity, but also from the mental and emotional activity as well that we that we deal with. So from that perspective, then I know that you know, losing weight is not just about how you look. And certainly this was not just a journey of how you look on the outside. Yeah. So obviously your body was changing on the outside as you were doing this and going through this. And I said, you had your greatest weight loss through the COVID period, yes. through the pandemic. So what was going on in the inside for you as she was kind of changing on the outside? What was changing also on the inside for you? I think Feeling like I was a, a normal part of the world again, which is a feeling that I hadn't had since a very young age. Just feeling like I fit in the world, um, physically fit in the world um, and, and, and feeling that change from the outside. That was one of the, the biggest factors for me. And that change from the outside and feeling like you fit in, feeling like you belong, feeling like you're part of your community, that has huge impact on inside and how your your head is feeling and how your mental health is. But that that was big. I also, you know, there are some negative feelings that, that are associated with transformation and change as well. Particularly for me because I did like you said I lost a, a bulk of the weight at, during COVID. Um and so I had lost about half of the amount of weight that I've I've lost in total prior to the pandemic. And that was pretty slow and 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 people had gotten used to that change and they'd seen it over the course of, of many years, you know, from January 2018 till about March of 2020, I had lost about 60 or 70 pounds throughout that, that course of that time and that people were seeing me regularly. And then when the pandemic hit and I had all of this time to myself and I wasn't seeing friends and I and I wasn't having the, um, the indulgences or um, all of those little uh, teasers, uh, I was able to really put my head down and focus on it. And so I, I you know, not having all of those extra distractions, I was able to really control what I was eating, what I was doing, and I was able to lose the rest of that weight during the pandemic, where nobody was seeing me. So I went uh, and I so I lost about another 80 pounds over the course of that pandemic when nobody was seeing me. And then so to see people again, was very hard. It was challenging and it still is because I'm still seeing people now that I haven't seen since before the pandemic. And it's a big learning curve for them. And it's a big learning curve for me too, um, to interact with somebody that looks completely different from what you remember them to look like. Um, my dad, he lives uh, on the other side of the country. So he lives in Prince Edward Island. I actually still haven't seen him since before the pandemic. So that's a reunion that I'm anxious about and I'm nervous about because there's a lot wrapped up in, in what we look like. And, and especially when that is what that is how people associate with you. Um, you know, I had always been the chubby friend and that's who I was uh, to my group of friends and also to my parents, you know, that that's, this is who they raised and that's, this is, um, you know, they've, they've been on this journey with me as well um, because they've seen my struggles and my ups and downs throughout this whole time. You know, my mom has been with me in change rooms when I was younger uh, and not able to fit in any clothes crying. So they've been on this journey with me um, and so, to see these people now and having not seen them in, I mean, now it's a year and a half that we're into this pandemic. Um, that's very, very strange. Um, and it, uh, you get lots of different reactions from people. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Um, when it has to do with our bodies, some people feel like they have free reign to say whatever they want and ask you whatever they want. So I've had 
complete strangers who uh, live on my walk route and they've they've seen me walking this whole time and they've come out and, you know, made pretty open comments about my body and how it's changing and that can be challenging. Um, so I, I try to remember that most people have good intentions um, and most people aren't trying to be negative. Um, although I do try to use it a little bit as a learning opportunity um, to, you know, try to remind people that it's not always great to comment on other people's bodies because we have no idea uh, what it is that they're going through or what led to this and what contributed to significant weight loss. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I There's there's lots wrapped up in this conversation of, of weight loss and body image and body positivity, body inclusivity, that now having lived on both ends of the spectrum, having lived as somebody who was not at all involved in, um, you know, fashion. I wasn't able to go into normal fashion clothing stores. Um, I remember actually uh, taking a trip to England and going into a top shop and I was so excited to go to top shop. I couldn't find a single thing that fit me in that store. Um, <laughs> not many people can, by the way. <laughs> but I do understand your point. Yeah, yes. I do understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and it's, it's hard, especially as an adolescent girl. Um, not Absolutely. being able to fit into the world in that way is is incredibly challenging. And, and it really does alienate you from your peers. I know for me, not being able to shop at the clothing stores that all of the popular girls in my high school were shopping at, um, that was really, really hard for me. Um, and so now being able to navigate that world, being able to go into a store, feel included. Um, I've had so much fun with fashion now and being able to, to wear clothes that I could have worn before, but I didn't feel socially accepted in them. You know, when you have rolls and you have curves and you have a belly that that shows, um, you tend to steer away from certain clothing that shows that. And I, I wish we could get away from that because I... You know, being 33 now, having gone through a third of my life, not being able to live in this world, that really does break my heart for all of the young girls out there who are still navigating that experience and can't go into the clothing stores that their friends can go into and pull an item from the rack and try it on and feel good about themselves. Um, so I'd like to see some changes in that area. And now, like I said, having lived in both of those realms as somebody who was you know, unincluded from that world. And now somebody who is very much included in that world, that is a space that I really want to think about and explore. Uh, but also hopefully one day advocate for, um, I think stores are getting better and we're seeing more size inclusivity. I think we're seeing um, stores that used to separate their plus size clothing from their, their straight size clothing sections are now trying to incorporate that. I think we're seeing brands that are expanding their sizes, size range that they're offering, but we still have a long way to go to just making, um, and, and for me, my focus is on young women because that was the foundation for me where I developed a lot of my um, ideas about bodies in general, but my own body in particular. Um, and that's the the audience that I think really needs support and really needs advocating for um, so that they can feel like they belong because that sense of feeling like you don't belong is the worst. But I think what you've said also is you've shared, I mean, that is absolutely huge, but what you've also shared and what's come through this conversation is more about having that healthier lifestyle where you're being really conscious. Because there's two things for me. Yes, I absolutely accept the whole body kind of, you know, acceptance and, and all of that body positivity. Because as somebody who's always, you know, had never been skinny, but never been fat, but always kind of struggled when you said that about the top shop, you know, I too have been in top shop many times throughout my years and not fit in uh, yes. their clothes either. And I think you're right. I think there's something there around education. Yeah. But I also think there's this real sense of this bigger for us to live this long healthy vibrant life then we've got to feel good on the inside equally as much as we do on the outside and I think that's what I'm hearing from you is about getting that balance right yeah. in terms of how we can make that happen for others so so I hear that that you're really very passionate about that I can hear that when you're talking and it sounds like um, there's an opportunity there for you to take that advocacy a bit further as, as you move forward so just really curious what's your purpose now in this do you see that you have a purpose in helping others with the same challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, I I started a blog. So I hit my goal weight in January of this year. I'm about a year to my anniversary of, of hitting my goal weight, which is, thank you, that it, it's it's been a, a challenging year. Um, 
losing weight is one thing. Maintaining weight is another thing. And it's, it's just as challenging, if not more challenging, because when you're losing weight, you have a target. Your mind is focused. You, you know, you've got something that you're working towards. And that's not easy to do, but it's easier to do than trying to just maintain this, this lifestyle that you've developed, these good habits that you've developed. And that's part of breaking the cycle of your bad habits is developing these good habits. And so it's instead of turning to what you used to turn to on the bad habit end of the spectrum, you're now trying to, to transition and shift those bad habits into good habits that you're still turning to. Um, so trying to, to navigate maintaining has been has been challenging because you don't have that end goal. You're not really working towards anything. You're just trying to establish a new pattern and a new way of living that you can continue doing for the rest of your life. Um, so that's that's been the, um, the transitional period that I've been in is, is navigating this, this maintaining. Um, and that comes with ups and downs and struggles and also learning opportunities. Um, I also still turn to food for comfort. Um, and there are times that that's, that's what I turn to and I overeat and I know that I overeat, but that's the difference now is before I would overeat and just move on and I would probably overeat the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And that was just this constant cycle. Whereas now, I am mindfully aware of the fact that like, oh yeah, I overdid it last night or, you know, I, you know, my, my partner and I, maybe we had some drinks and maybe we had, a, you know, a bit too much, but that's okay. And then I wake up the next day and I move on and I start my day and I get back into my healthy habits and I go for my walk and I, I eat my oatmeal for breakfast and um, I incorporate my vegetables again that day. And that's, that's the difference. It's not that I don't have those slips and it's not like I don't have those indulgent times again. It's just that they are fewer and I'm more mindful about it. And I think about it and I and I tell myself, you know, the fact that it happened and that it's we're, we're moving on from it the next day and that it'll happen again um, because pizza is delicious. And sometimes sometimes you want to overindulge in it. It's just knowing when you have um, and then and then moving on from that. But Thinking about the future, um, that advocation role is really something that I would like to explore some more. Um, I, I did start a blog at the beginning of the year to try to use it as a space, mostly for myself to work out some of these emotions um, and some of these learning lessons that I've gone through uh, and to think about these bigger concepts like body image, uh, body positivity, body inclusivity. Um, I wanted a space for myself that felt safe. Um, and I don't know that social media necessarily always feels safe when we're turning to things like Twitter and Instagram. Um, my blog is also public, but it's got, you know, a very select few readers. Uh, it's not broadly open to the world. So it feels like a safe space for me to be able to explore some of these topics. And that's really where I see myself going in the future is, is just thinking a little bit more deeply about how I can still uh, be an advocate in this space uh, for people yeah. um, of, of all sizes. Amazing. So just before we wrap up our conversation, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing what you have. What are the three tips that you would share with listeners who are either facing, embarking on a journey like you have, are actually going through it at this moment in time. What three tips would you suggest that they pay attention to? So the first thing that I would say, and we've talked about it a little bit already, is if you can't sustain the changes that you're making, that's something that you need to look at first and foremost. Any changes that you're going to be making to your lifestyle, whether it's diet changes, uh, activity changes, lifestyle habits, they need to be sustainable and they need you need to be able to incorporate them into your life. Um, so if you're going to really change the way that you're eating, it needs to be in a way that you can, in your head, think this is how I'm going to eat for the rest of my life. And if you think this is too severe and too drastic for me to be able to continue doing this for the rest of my life, then you might as well just stop. The second thing that I would say is losing weight is not going to fix all your problems. Um, and so for me, there was a lot of therapy that I have been involved in and I'm still involved in. I have my next therapy session tomorrow. Um, and that is so key and central to this conversation is that losing weight is not going to fix all of the issues that you have, whether you're dealing with external factors or you're dealing with internal factors, whether it's your mental health, um, whether it's um, your relationships that you're involved in, losing the weight is not going to fix those problems. Um, so that would kind of be the second tip that I would say. Um, and the third thing is 
incorporate things that you genuinely enjoy. Uh, for me, that's walking. I really, really do genuinely look forward to walking every single day. I throw headphones in my ears. I'm either talking to my mom, I'm listening to a podcast, or I'm listening to an audiobook. It is one of my favorite hours of the day. Um, so it's not hard for me to incorporate these changes because I really do love going for my walk every single day. And that would be my third tip, is that if you're going to incorporate these changes, at least make sure some of them are something that you actually genuinely enjoy because at the end of the day life is short and what we're trying to do is enjoy it as best as we can live life to the fullest and that does involve making sure that you are paying attention to your body thinking about your body fueling it the right way um, being active and making sure that you're able to live in that body in the healthiest way that you possibly can and you know we have lots of different factors that that are at play there luckily for me i'm completely able-bodied um losing weight i was able to to avoid any of those further injuries and and chronic pain that i was living in um, unfortunately not everybody gets that um, but as long as we can try to maintain life as healthy as we can, that's really the the ultimate goal is so that we can enjoy the short time that we're here for. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much. That's been really insightful. It's been a really meaningful conversation. I just want to say thank you for sharing all you have as well. I've loved talking to you and I know the listeners will love hearing your story as well. So just before we go, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. I would love it if you want to get more involved in this conversation and you want to hear about my journey. You can follow my personal blog. It is sarahlikesthings.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's also sarahlikesthings. There's not always going to be talk about body on my Instagram account. Sometimes it's cats. So you can find a variety of stuff, but the blog really is focused on, on lifestyle and uh, developing healthy habits and thinking about these these concepts and, and how it relates to me personally. Um, but yeah, I would love it if you want to continue having this conversation with me, uh, please do reach out, follow me on my blog and uh, and let me know if you have any questions or, or you want to continue having this conversation. That's amazing. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. I'd love to take a moment and tell you about our wellness retreats that will be happening in May 2022 in Mallorca, Spain. My team and I have created four immersive retreats that allows you to take a step back from all the stresses and strains of your daily life in order to focus on your physical, mental, emotional and spiritual well-being. From coaching mastery, mindfulness and meditation, conscious living and so much more, we offer a nurturing and truly experiential life-enriching environment where you'll reconnect, rediscover and reaffirm who you are and what you want in your life. If you're interested in learning more, head to the fullcircleglobal.com website and click the retreats tab. In the meantime, stay well, invite joy and curiosity into your life and see you soon.